Welcome to Be the Difference. Presented by Back to Back Ministries, continuing to be a voice for orphaned and vulnerable children all around the world. We share stories of everyday people who are being the difference in the lives of others. I'm Sammy Matthews, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Cox. This was a supercharged, entertaining conversation with a new friend that we get to call. This was a powerful conversation, Chris, that went, in our recording time, lots of different directions. And I am so excited to share with everyone the story of Nick Jackson. He is the founder of Speak Love. Originally, he was a teacher. He was an educator. And his love for teaching and inspiring grew into what we'd call motivational speaking. But it doesn't just end with speeches on stages. He creates curriculum for business leaders, for students, for children, all aimed at this goal of inspiring and teaching others to speak love to others and to themselves. When you read his bio on the website, there's actually one part at the very end that I really loved where in spite of all that he's achieved and all that he's done, um, he's spoken to over a million people. But it says that his crowning achievement in life is orchestrating volunteer groups that have generated over 100,000 meals and 2,500 haircuts for homeless neighbors, single mothers, and friends. That's Nick. He runs at a a fast pace and inspires others to serve and to speak love. We're going to hear that today, but what else should we listen for? In this conversation, we should listen for three things. The first is how Nick answers a question um, that you, Sammy, ask him around how he knows when a word is from God for him, which Mm -hmm. I think is a question that we all resonate with of how do you know the truth of that? So listen for his answer in that. Listen for a conversation centered around civil rights, Mississippi, and how that interweaves into Nick's story. And then the last thing that we want you to listen for is when in a pivotal moment, it shifted from Nick Jackson Speaks to Speak Love as the movement and the initiative that he leads. So Nick, we were supposed to spend some time chatting in January. Do you remember that? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm wondering if sure you know. Thing. Yeah. And I reached out and I reached out again. Mm. And then you got back and you're like, I'm so sorry. I have COVID. Right. And it turned into one of the most fun conversations just mm. finding out like, I'm not going to be able to be on your podcast because I just spent a week on a cruise. Yeah celebrating life with my wife mm-hmm. first year first year year one Congrats. yes that's yeah. huge that's awesome and then as a gift as a parting gift <laughs> we got coronavirus yeah i don't know if you remember that call or not because you had like the rona mm-hmm. um <laughs> but on the call you said i'm really just reflecting on how god gave me a word and that word is me mm-hmm. and I was impacted by that because I thought a lot of times in a world where we focus on leadership and love and development and spirituality, um, we we rarely talk about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that word impacted myself a lot. How did how's it been impacting you? Man, it's so crazy you brought this up today, right? <laughs> like, I mean, like my entire day has been about this word, huh. hmm. me. Like, and it really, it's been probably more of my life, but like I've noticed and even I was doing, uh, I was speaking, I speak in, you know, whatever. Um, I noticed I was watching a clip of my speech and I was talking about, 
dealing with our trauma, mm. either dealing with me. And so much of my spiritual life has been external. You know, like like I'm speaking to the people or I'm called into a situation where uh, there's 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 a lack of safety or there's a lack of spiritual growth. And 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 you're going to support on people's worst days. But like the opportunity to 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 deal with or love me is something that I almost feel is selfish. Mm-hmm. like even when i pray for myself you know even the prayer of jabez like at the end of that it's like so so we can grow your kingdom it is not so you can help me mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so like uh yeah it's been a struggle we get to have a lot of conversations around here at back to back about self-care and anytime this conversation comes up it's the same theme of it feels selfish it feels like a luxury or a selfish act but what we're trying to shift that conversation toward is like it's being a good steward of what God's given you. And so in order for me to steward what he's given me well and serve others well, I need to take care of myself. But I love that you felt like God gave you that word me at the beginning of the year. How did that sound? How do you hear God's voice? What was that experience like for you? Mm. So it's interesting because I don't always know that it's God till I try it. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I hear things throughout the day. Right. And I'm like, is this my conscience? Is this this just me replaying something my mom said at some mm-hmm. time? You know what I mean? Or is this God? So what happens is I get uh, this like flutter by like it'll be a thought that comes through and I practice it or I, I test it. This one, when me came through, it was detestable. The mindset or, or the word um, me when it came in and I really started to dig into it and really the, the building, the, the beginning step was on the phone with Chris. I was like, wow, I'm really struggling with this as the speak love mm. guy. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm seen at times as being someone that has it together. Right. Mm. So as the speaker, you're, you're supposed to be at some uh, levels of thought the the expert mm-hmm. in getting out of the, the issue yeah. Yeah. instead of the, the person that's encouraging others to find these skills to survive. And so like like to me, like I'm teaching a skill that I'm practicing. I am not teaching a skill that I've conquered. Mm. Mm. You mentioned that even as as the person who kind of represents or reflects speak love um can you walk us through that a little bit like where did speak love Mm -hmm. come from Mm. Um, because it really came from you right like it's a it's a movement that is around a vision or an idea that you've been passionate about where where did that come from yeah 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 uh you know there's so many different places uh, but I got to start here. I, it was Nick Jackson speaks in the beginning. Okay. And I was, uh, I was preaching at churches and I was also speaking in schools and I was trying to move what I was learning or, or what worked in the church setting into the school setting where it was illegal to talk about God. And Jesus, okay. Right. But these tenants that were working over here could also work over here mm-hmm. and the same thing back and forth. Right. Some of the things that are going on in schools could work in the church. Right. What I, what I, what I realized was community service was something that was on both sides. So I was, I was, I was speaking on that lane. Mm. Then I get a call. There was a school district that had three suicides before October, mm. uh, throughout the summer. And then the beginning of the year. So October is, you know, it's like second month of school. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, these, these students were, uh, dealing with the grief of, of multiple different, you know, whatever's. And I was asked to come and speak at that school. And so, <laughs> 
I was like, no, right? <laughs> like, let me one hundred. Like, I don't know what to say with that. I mm. struggle in this in this area mm. myself. Like, mm. I don't. That's not my jam. And um, one of the moms of a fallen child uh, to mm. self harm uh, asked me to go to uh, Crossroads uh, East Side, which I was, mm. which is a church on in the mm-hmm. east side of Cincinnati. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll go out there. I was in the parking lot at the end of church, and. I decided to come to the church doors as people were being released so I could just meet this meet this lady and maybe give her a hug and hopefully, you know, she'd understand that I this is not my lane. I talk mm. about service and not death. So mm. thank you. Right. And when I saw her, actually, I saw her friend and her friends like you're Nick Jackson. I've seen you like I watched your videos. It's so good that you're here. Hold on a second. I got somebody to to to. I got somebody for you to meet. And she brings this lady up and she just immediately this lady, woman comes up and just immediately starts crying. She puts her head on my chest and just fills my chest with tears. Mm-hmm. And as she's crying on me, like she's like, I heard that you've been asked to do a speech at my son's school. She's like, if I could have one thing repeated from me to them is how much I love them. If I can have another minute with my child, Mm -hmm. I would say whatever you're going through, whatever's going on, you are loved. Whatever's happening, you are loved, period. And what happens to you happens to me. And I and I need you around because you're so Mm -hmm. important. You are special right now. as she's crying this into my shirt. I'm like, great. Thanks. That sounds like a wonderful thing to to hear for anyone, you know, Mm -hmm. and she backs up and she looks me dead in the eye with these like crying eyes and she was like and i need you to take the speech you're going to take the speech right and i was like how do you say no to that yeah and then i found myself like like a month later on stage at that school right talking about my struggles with loving myself Mm -hmm. you know and how i've gotten through and i I was able to uh dig really deep into other people's struggles and loving themselves and one of them was my grandfather who uh was a part of the mississippi burning letters for the black baptist church in in, in america and they were trying to find out how many people of color especially men were hung in a certain state in in our country and 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 these hangings were done without trial without you know whatever right and so I would ask, like, how did you get through, you know, like, yeah, yeah. what did you do to, like, get to the night? Well, how could you march where police dogs are being chased? Like, 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 what what did you do? And in the one thing that I don't even know if he said it, I don't know if he said this or if this is just what I got from the message was. So we would speak love to one another. Mm-hmm. And that's how we would identify each other by the love that we've been given either by God or by each other, by our community, right? And so if somebody called me another name that didn't represent the love that I understood as being my identity, I could I could turn my back to that because that's mm-hmm. not me. And I was like, oh, just think if we could do this mentally. Like just think if yeah. we could go into our mind and be like, hold on, I, I hear this, but that's not me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I can, yeah, I can yeah. turn my back to that trauma. And ah, it's just, that's where Speak Love came from. I know that was a long explanation. Yeah, I have so many thoughts. And the, but the first one is in your explanation, the mother who has, is grieving the loss of her child and your grandfather who has navigated the documentation of the most horrific and heinous, you know, acts of oppression and genocide um, and murder are the motivation to lead you to come up with something that says in response to that pain and that hurt, we speak love. 
Like that's really interesting to me of mm. what I just heard from you is that it's in the power of pain that we find such a, a response, but we have to be proximate to it. That proximation where she's crying on your chest. Right. And that proximation to pain says, maybe I am going to jump into this thing. Have you always had access to these things? Like, is that, mm. are you constantly learning from these like pain points in history or in relationship to other people? So it's, it's interesting that you said that because when I was a little dude, I saw a vision of myself doing this work. My upbringing wasn't very positive. Okay. Mm -hmm. Me specifically, I've always saw myself as an accident. And uh, mm -hmm. I've been told that, you know, by, you know, parents, other people. And the, uh, I was a student with a learning disability, things like that. Uh, but then also just like the, the talk around me was usually very negative, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I had two brothers and the talk around them was exponentially different, mm -hmm. right? So growing up in a place where you you you, you feel like the accident and you, you feel like the, the world would be a better place without you being here was, that's how I grew up. That's some of the first words I remember yeah, yeah. and they would be like reiterated going to classrooms mm. uh being around mostly white kids when I'm an African-American male hearing teachers like roll the, or seeing teachers roll their eyes and saying Nick this is my class this sucks mm. right uh -huh. and so like you walk into a class and like that's how they talk about you or they know you as your IEP and not your name right mm -hmm. because the IEP means that they're legally bound to do these things that right. support you and that means that they have to do more yeah. and they're ticked that you're there mm. you know and so if you're not there you're kicked out of class they get a day off mm from doing that right so like seeing all of that right and then recognizing like that's not the vision that i had in my head mm. do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. like the world is not rec recognizing or representing what i saw in my head therefore i can't rock with that <laughs> and there was like this frustration where like i know the dark at, at a very young age the darkness was trying to teach me who i was in the world in the, the world's mm. form right but the light had already touched my mind and so like when other people went to selling drugs or doing having sex and doing violence and, and all these kind of things, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect, don't get me wrong, I had a different identity of myself. I think it's really interesting to hear your personal educational experience, knowing that on this end, you pursued a degree in education. Yeah. A lot of people would have that experience and say, I want nothing to do with a school ever again. Mm -hmm. Teachers aren't helpful and I don't want to be that. What made you pursue like push in harder to that pain point. What I hear over and over is you keep pushing into pain mm. rather than run away from it. Yeah. But what made you push in and pursue education with that educational experience? So I really didn't feel like I was gonna be accepted in the church and mm. I really didn't wanna be poor. And <laughs> so I was sitting there thinking like, I don't really wanna go into ministry because that means I'm gonna be broke. And so I was like teaching, you have a pension and then I could also coach football and I can kind of, uh, create mm. a version of myself that I saw, right? Mm. In a place that was like safe to my mom, right? But I got into to education and I was going into my educational classes in college. And the question was very similar to what you just asked is why are you here, mm -hmm. right? And like a lot of the kids I was around were like, I had such a great educational experience and I just want everybody else to have the same, right? Mm. Yeah. And like in my, my thought process was I was around condemnation anger mm -hmm. yeah, uh, uh yeah, yeah. people evading responsibility like i was around all of these things and and i hated school like mm -hmm. i hated every second of this but i believe it could be better like and i recognized that there was times especially when i was in like middle school where i had done things um that showed my power in a negative way 
So like I've either, you know, done some violence that that hurts someone really, really bad. I'm like, I, I have the power to do that. I also have the power to do this. Right. Uh, or or uh, I, I trip somebody and they they broke their wrist or whatever. Right. Which is a real thing that really did happen. And like I was I was sitting here thinking like I I've been told about my power by people being scared of me, right? But can I create a power where I could protect with the same energy, mm -hmm. the same intellect, mm -hmm. right? And then I would take these questions to like my grandfather and like 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 deacons at my church and they'd be mm -hmm. like, "What did you say?" Like like they would they, they would love it. Like, "Oh, you get it because you're 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 operating in the darkness and you're recognizing that's not you." Mm -hmm. Right on that, you know? And mm -hmm. so uh that's that's what really spawned me like kind of moving towards education mm -hmm. and then got me through college in my oof i love teaching i still teach i love teaching what do you love about teaching when kids get it so like when you when you didn't understand something and now you do that transformative mm -hmm. space where you're going from a fixed mindset like things mm -hmm. suck and it's going to suck and so we need to operate within the suck right mm -hmm. to an open mindset like i have endless possibilities and i'm a person of power and i'm also beautiful and, mm -hmm. I, and i'm a limited and powerful resource mm -hmm. right all of a sudden it's a whole different world right when you see that it's dope mm. yeah. you've shifted on your journey from in classroom educator is kind of like you know the, the vantage point to a speaker who motivates i have yet to be in a room where you have not motivated, empowered, or encouraged. And when I've ex personally experienced those moments with you as you're, as you're sharing, I, th I thought, he's unbelievably gifted at this. Mm. But your trajectory so far in the story that you've told us, I'm wondering, when did that get dropped into the narrative where you recognized, I can speak, and I can speak to multitudes when did that happen? So it was interesting. It was a, uh, so I recognized that I was talking to something bigger than me when I was little, right? Mm. And then when I would bring this to my religious sort of um, um, churches in in the area, they would be incredibly intimidated, right? And they'd be like, mm. okay, so you got two jobs, preaching or music, and you're not very good at singing. So <laughs> like, if you're gonna preach, you need to be this person mm. and this person is very comfortable with me. I was like, okay, can't rock with that, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, so I'm just gonna do what I gotta do on the street. So mm. I had a little brother, right? And my little brother has has had a pretty tumultuous life, but I would I would speak love to him. You know, I would mm -hmm. I would I would find times to spend concerted like moments with him where we would be like cooking. He loved to eat. So like we cook together or we go for walks or like if I was working out, we didn't have like weights, you know, so I would put him I would put him in front of me and I would curl him, you know, or I'd put him on my shoulders <laughs> yeah. and I do squat jumps, yeah. you know, or put him on my back and do push ups, you know, have him uh, time me doing the 40 meter dash in front of the house. Like and, and he loved it. And then we also had these like little like things that we would do because I noticed the same darkness that was coming after me was coming after him. Mm. And like, I also noticed in class, like I would see this, I would see uh, people that would have this, this mindset of a fixed mindset of dark winds. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we got to go to the dark to get the light. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you started that answer, I could see you come most alive when you talked about how it started with your brother mm. and identifying that um, the darkness isn't just coming after you, Nick. Yeah. The darkness is coming after us. Yeah. 
So we got to start speaking light to each other. So we're going to figure out ways of like, no matter what the hard story is, mm-hmm. um, how powerful for you are relationships? Super powerful. It's so crazy. So I, I just got married, right? Yeah. And like when we were like courting each other, my wife was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. You know what I'm saying? I just love this. This is awesome. Now about a year into the marriage, she's like, okay, are you this optimistic all the time? Okay, because I just <laughs> I just want to vent, right? I just want to vent. And you're over here trying to speak about, you know, some, some things that aren't my venting right now. And I'm like, oh, wow, this sucks. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to think to myself, like, did you not know who you were marrying? Did I lie to you? You know yeah. what I mean? This is literally the conversation we just had. But like, I'm I'm recognizing that there is this need, and I'm not the only one. I see this in YouTube, real talk. Mm-hmm. But there's this there's this need for us to be able to go to that dark place and not be scared. Mm-hmm. You know, to go to that dark place and still have hope, and to be anchored in something that's so rooted in the love of God, right? That you can you can go to different places and come back. That ties back to what you were mentioning earlier of uh, that question you asked, Sammy, which was right on point of like, how do you go through all of this hard? Mm-hmm. You took us back to, well, I remember kind of that vision when I was a little kid. Yes. Right. So I knew. So whatever you're saying, whatever you're trying to write on me isn't true mm-hmm. because I've already accepted a vision of light that's something else. And am I right in saying what you what you just said is that you're actually looking to help us all reconcile that we all had one of those God moments too. Someone just needs to ask us about it. Absolutely. So when people are talking about not going to church anymore and those kind of things, it's not that they haven't felt God, right? It's that they don't see God, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't see it in themselves. They don't see it in the community. So we have to operate in what we can see, right? So so what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do with my speaking, and this is corporately and in schools, like I'm trying to allow people to go back to when we believed in things we couldn't see. Mm And sometimes one of the one of those things that we can't see is our own greatness. Mm-hmm. Takes you back to me. That's good. There is a verse, I think it's in Exodus, where it's talking about um, God coming down on the mountain, and it's like dark, and the people are scared, and they stay back. And it says that, but Moses went into the darkness where God was, mm-hmm. and that has always stood out to me since somebody pointed it out because we so often think God's not in the darkness that that's like separate from him or too scary for him or too dark for him. But actually he can be right there too. And then we can go into that because there are people there who need light. Why is it worth going into the darkness on behalf of someone else? Mm. Yeah. So that's twofold, right? So why is it worth going into the darkness? And then on that, on behalf of someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And so, so, so also the other question is why is it worth going into the darkness for yourself? Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause when you're caught with people, when you're around people that are stuck in their own head or stuck in their own darkness, they are looking for other ways to get out. It could be drugs. It could mm-hmm. be sex. It could be anger. It could yeah. be violence. Yeah. It could be, you know what I'm saying? All yeah. of these other things. And, and, and sometimes I see us judge mm-hmm. the behavior Mm-hmm. and not assess the trauma or even even the even understand the reason why anyone would consider doing these kind of things to themselves and a lot of us are suffering in silence and so uh my prayer is that my sp- uh, the, the speaking that god is doing through me this testimony that i'm allowed to give in public and private places right allows other people to do the same mm-hmm. and can you talk to us for a second about 
how you've seen that ripple effect, whether it's in a private or a public space, like by being able to say, by me walking into this um, perceived darkness and showing you where the light is and saying, and you can do it too. How's that ripple effect starting to take off, whether it's with students or um, adults that are even in the school campuses or at, at in corporations to go, finally, someone who said something I've always thought, maybe I could say something too. Are you seeing that ripple effect come through other people's voices? Oh, yeah. And, and not only come through other people's voices, I'm seeing people feel God. Like in huh. corporate spaces where I'm I'm supposed to be talking about corporate communication, diversity and inclusion, uh, attention, uh, retention and appreciation, that kind of stuff. Like, like we are creating events where we are inviting the Holy Spirit, not by name, not by word, right? But but by being, by yeah. presence, yeah. right? And I'm watching people step into, uh, one of the things that, that came to my mind, when I first met you, we were getting ready to be on stage, Anthony Munoz stage, yeah. and there was a group of kids that were that were able to speak, and they, and, and they all did phenomenal, right? Mm -hmm. But like what we did was we passed the mic to the kids. So so what you've felt, right? Now you get to reflect without me dictating what you're going to be reflecting. Yeah. Almost every time God shows up, like I do this all the time, right? Almost every single time. There's been one or two times where I've been like, ooh, that was not God, right? But <laughs> like yeah. most of them have been absolutely amazing and it changes the environment then all of a sudden people start looking at themselves like can i do that that was my takeaway even from that particular event we were standing outside of this venue together um because you had like a, a setup for students to come to your table the number of students who wanted to come and identify with you of like hey nick i don't know why i'm coming to talk to you but i'm coming to talk to you and i'm gonna like spill everything in front of you in this like you know foyer or atrium of this building that felt safety i think is massively transformative to others what do you do with all of those stories because i'm guessing you get that a lot where you yeah. create the safety and then everybody's crying on your chest or everyone's bringing you their stuff and then you got to move to the next venue or to the next city like what do you do with all these stories so everyone that comes to me has something yeah and everyone i come to i'm bringing something yeah now what do we do with that great mm -hmm. question right so so what i do pre and post i got i got what i like to call my little god squad now these were also uh um students that were in high schools that i spoke at previously that just stayed around in my life you know what i mean mm. like i i loved them i saw absolutely no um opportunity for us to continue to be friends and they were like i received but i got something i can give like i i, I want us pre and post almost every event we go to places and we just let it go Hmm. yeah and usually it's me holding on to it you know because i got a whole bunch of stuff yeah yeah mm -hmm. and it's like okay let it go do you don't i, I don't say names you know mm -hmm. i try really hard not to talk about locations but like this group is 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 in my life for this one thing and that is for me to be able to wipe the wipe the slate clean mm. so we can go back to war it's your debriefing like Absolutely. after after an army engages in a battle they have a debriefing process and like that's your debriefing. And at the end of our conversations, we always just like to thank our our guests for being vulnerable and transparent. And you've been overwhelmingly vulnerable and transparent. I'll probably listen back to this episode multiple times because throughout, you just drop these like nuggets that I'm going to have to go think about. And I just, on behalf of the thousands and thousands of youth who have sat in an auditorium, 
business leaders, employees, and corporations, church members, and friends who've just been walking up and down the sidewalk with you and hanging out on the corner, I first want to say thank you for refusing to stop seeing people. I just want to speak on behalf of the thousands of youth that are never going to have access to you to say thank you for seeing us. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for believing that I'm strong enough to hear the hard truth and to know that the light's for me true. I asked our friend Kaylee Willis from um, Anthony Munoz Foundation if she were to thank Nick Jackson uh, for who he's been around her, what would she say? And she said this, that your energy is undeniably contagious, that you live with passion every day and to the complete fullest. And she is not sure she's ever met someone like you who can walk into a room with hundreds with hundreds of kids and make them all individually feel heard and seen. You're authentic and genuine in your belief that through any adversity, kids have the ability to do great things and in return make a big impact on others around them. And she just affirmed everything that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So if you want to double down on me as the words about Nick Jackson, this is who we believe you are, and we're just grateful for you. So thanks for not stopping. And we can't wait to see what happens next in your journey. Chris, I said it in the episode briefly to Nick that I kept seeing and hearing this theme of pushing into pain. Um, Even when he talked about how he was trying to figure out what to say to a group of students who had walked through the suicide of classmates in their community. He said real quickly, I decided to look into the pain of other stories of people I knew and see what I could learn there. And, but when I listened back to the episode, it was all over that this idea of not motivating or inspiring by saying like, let's not look at the hard things and look on the bright side, but inspiring by saying, let's take a honest, direct look at the hard and find strength there and speak the truth there. So much so that even in our conversation, I mean, this was my first time meeting Nick and you haven't known him that long. And he was really vulnerable about his own story and his own trauma. What do you think created that level of like safety that he was willing to share that with us? That's a great question. And I identify with you that the push through the pain aspect of the story really stood out to me because it was powerful how Nick has the Mm self-awareness to be able to identify that while there has been a journey of pain for him and others, that that doesn't disassociate from character growth, development, integrity, um, you know, unconditional love in his mind, like all of these things that make speak love what it is that are actually on his radar of integrity, character that comes through pain. I think that the safety of this conversation comes from a moment that he and I were able to share outside of this podcast. Because you met at an Anthony Munoz Foundation event, right? Yes, we met at an event we had not met before, Mm -hmm. even though we have somewhat the same network and we've run in the same circles for a really, really long time. But we hadn't spent any time together. But he was the MC for an event that I was one of four keynotes for and a thousand high school students Mm -hmm. are in the audience And at the end of my 10 minutes, Nick came out and asked a very poignant question because I was talking about vulnerability. The story was actually about 
carrying bricks in your backpacks filled mm. with your past trauma and how you're going through life with things that you can't control and maybe maybe sharing your story would lighten your load. And Nick came out on stage and asked one really direct question and said, what do you say to the person who's done that in the past and has been burned? Mm. And my response in the moment, he hadn't prepped me for the question at all. It was uh, I, I, his response to a message he was hearing for the first time. And my response was, go as far as you feel comfortable going. This event has been set up to hold your story so go as far as you feel comfortable but know you're in control what happened after that is we walked backstage and he said i've i've never felt such connection when mm -hmm. a question was asked like that and the way you answered i would have been safe sharing it so it was this moment that we had and we then had multiple conversations with different people throughout the day but somehow this one 90 second interaction between nick and i created this I see you and you see me relationship that then carried into the conversation, which full disclosure to the listener, we didn't even record half of it because it started <laughs> when we sat down and we're like chasing the interview on this day because he had, he felt so safe with us. Yeah. 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 And that, that doesn't always happen. No. Um, yeah. But that was a really awesome to see the way that your connection in that moment had not only created felt safety for you too, but I think there was a moment you told me about too that created that same safety for a student. Yeah, and I think this is a, my big takeaway from even the conversation with Nick is that understanding, working through our own pain and then sharing that collectively creates an opportunity for others to join the story. When we walked backstage that day after that conversation, we went into a green room set up with high school students who were then going to come out and do prepared speeches. They had gone through a some type of um, preparation and acknowledgement through their school, and they'd been awarded the opportunity to speak on a stage. Mm -hmm. So there were seven. But Nick and I walk into this room just chatting about what had just happened on stage, and this group had been in the audience and heard the message and then heard the question, and we walk in. And we start this conversation and we just keep going. And one of the young men in the room was a senior in a high school that experiences a lot of disparity and a lot of pain. Mm. Um, he has been exposed to gun violence. He has witnessed the shooting and loss of friends. And we didn't know that about his story. But he came out on stage to share what was prescripted. And with Nick standing next to him, he said, but can I go off script for a second? Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was off script. Yeah. It was not part of it was the... unplanned. It was very unplanned. Mm -hmm. And he shared vulnerably with a thousand of his peers, which maybe 980 of them could not relate because their school and neighborhood situation did not reflect the same. But there might have been 20 people in that room that felt seen and known because of that felt safety. And that was my big takeaway from even our conversation with Nick was, you know, a, a relationship with his grandfather mm -hmm. impacted his belief system of himself that then can change the way a high schooler in 2023 sees the world. And that by being transparent in our real moments, we have no idea who that's impacting. And that's my takeaway. Just be real and mm -hmm. be fully present wherever I am. Well, what's so interesting is like, your analogy of the burdens and the backpack with boulders in it. And when you share your story, that 
that backpack can get lighter. And when you share your story, somebody can look at you and speak truth, Yeah, which is what a lot of what Nick is pushing toward in the speak love initiative is mm-hmm. to speak love to people and that speak truth tell them the truth about who they are tell them the truth about who you seem them to be and do it for yourself yeah how did that resonate for you of the parts of the conversation where we were recognizing that we need to speak love mm-hmm. to ourselves in order to be able to then give that away um, how did that impact you yeah i think i mean we like i said to Nick, we have a lot of conversations around here about self-care and taking care of ourselves. And that is physical self-care. It's like making sure that I eat and sleep enough and all those things, but it's also like emotional and social. Mm. And what story am I telling myself about myself? Because that's going to inform directly how I talk to other people. Mm. And it's going to inform directly like what I have to give and what I have to give away. Um, So I think that's a journey that I've been on over the last probably 11 years working in ministry is figuring out how do I care for myself in the midst of helping someone else carry their heart story? Mm. How do I care for myself in the midst of walking through my own heart stories? And I don't think I've got the perfect balance. I don't think that I've figured it out, but I was encouraged in our conversations with Nick to think about how do I tell myself true stories about Mm. me? And then how do I look at someone else and say, this is what's true about you. What's more challenging to you, telling others, uh, um, other people great things about their story or telling now yourself? No, that's easy. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do. No, I think it's way harder to tell it about myself because, yeah. I mean, I am with myself 100% of the time and I have been with myself 100% of my days. So <laughs> I know everything about me. And I mean, to a certain degree, I'm not like that self-aware, but you know what I mean? Like I've, I see my worst motivations and I'm going to be my own harshest critic. Yeah. I think that's a great takeaway for us to remember as we, as we kind of close the conversations that we not only push through the pain, we not only give good words to other people, but the deepest and the hardest work is waking up in the morning and telling myself five good things about myself Hmm. or allowing myself to love myself or to be loved by me. That at times we feel that that it can lead to, pride or arrogance and that there might just be an enemy at play Mm -hmm. that's trying to starve out our own identity so that we don't have good things to give to the world so we encourage you in those takeaways to push through the pain to be able to share stories with those around you because you have no idea what you'll glean from them or give to them and to speak love to yourself because each of us is contributing brilliantly to the world we should remind ourselves of that We will have connections to Nick in the show notes, and we'll see you on the next episode.